Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. We have got a real treat in store today, one that is kind of in line with um, the conversations we've been having quite literally for the last 60 days, maybe even 90, on the topic of artificial intelligence and the impact of the built environment leading up to our event next week in Palo Alto, uh, Buildings AI, which is going to follow right after Cortec 23. So this week's guest is from Microsoft. And before I, I talk specifically about the guest, I want to talk about our relationship with Microsoft a little bit because it feels like it goes back at least 15 plus years now. And we strategically made a decision um, long ago to align and to get to know Microsoft and what they were doing for a number of reasons. Number one, they're one of the most innovative enterprise uh, computing platforms in the world. Number two, many of the folks that we deal with in the real estate industry rely on Microsoft platforms, whether it be you know, the application set, whether it be databases, uh, and now uh, communication services like Teams and, and others, email. And so we knew that somewhere, somehow, that the, the, the technology that we use to run our businesses was going to ultimately impact buildings. And that got us into relationships with a gentleman by the name of Daryl Smith, who was part of the 88 Acres uh, uh, vision for Microsoft and their smart campus, and then Emmanuel Daniel, who actually introduced us uh, to this week's guest, Ajoy Bhattacharya, a senior technology strategist for Microsoft. And when we got on the phone a few weeks, months, I forgot when, back with Ajoy, um, it became very clear that he was going to continue this conversation, not generically just about AI, but AI for the built environment. Uh, meaning, you know, with all this, this new technology, how is it going to impact buildings, right? I mean, it's it's a very complex topic. And and he sits in the middle of two camps. One, he can touch the folks at uh, OpenAI and, and, and learn the latest and greatest with AI's capabilities. And yet he's got his other hand in the real estate industry, understanding the built environment and all the applications and new studies and problems and opportunities. So, we are so excited to have him here today, kind of as a final premiere to our conference next week um, in Palo Alto, uh, where he'll be a, uh, one of the, the guest speakers talking about this topic in greater detail. But with that, let's bring on a joy and get this conversation started. Hello, sir. How are you? Good afternoon. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Or wherever, right? <laughs> it yes. depends on who's watching from where. Um, well, first of all, thank you for taking the time. I know how in demand you are, uh, given your unique technical skills, and uh, and for to take the time over the last couple of weeks to just the the conversations we've had, the the exchanges we've had um, leading up to today, and then ultimately next week. Uh, I know it takes a lot of time and effort, but I think um, hopefully you'll find it worthwhile, and, and the audience will as well. So. Before we get into the specifics of, of what you do right now, give us an idea of where you came from, because you don't end up in the AI conversation overnight. There has to be a journey that took you to various places that got you to be in the right place to understand and you know move this very complex technology forward. Yeah, so uh, I've traditionally been in the technology realm uh, in IT uh, roles and uh, the one that's really most significant prior to joining Microsoft about a year ago, I spent almost nine years at a general contractor called Suffolk Construction mm -hmm. up in uh, headquartered up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, Suffolk is a very forward thinking, innovative company. Uh, and part of my role over there, having worked in the IT side of things, I moved into an innovation role where I was uh, looking at bleeding edge technologies, 
how to you know and how to make the built environment more effective operationally effective uh safer things like that and that opened up a lot of perspectives for me personally on what's possible out there uh which uh, eventually i worked with microsoft heavily uh, my time there with my team and uh we some of the things that we did there led me to believe i could do this at a larger scale and i wanted to come to microsoft to do that yeah, that, that, that's an absolute logical step. You're a technologist to begin with. You embed yourself with a real estate organization, in this case, construction. You learn the ins and outs, the true case studies, the value propositions. You take those skills, go to a company like Microsoft, and to your point, you scale that globally, right? And, exactly. you, and you take what you learned and, and apply it against that Microsoft platform or platforms, and, uh, and the impact is, is larger. So explain your role today at Microsoft. Um, you know, how, what, what your day looks like, who you talk to, you know, in the morning and who you talk to in the afternoon. I think that's important for the audience to understand that we actually have somebody here who is a bridge between two worlds. And that's critically important in order to make this thing work. Yeah, so formally, I'm an account, a senior technology strategist. So I have uh, a, a list of clients that, and I talk to, they're typically their C-level executives, the CIOs, uh, do innovation officers around strategy of what's going on in the, uh, in the real estate world, what Microsoft is seeing and what we're bringing. And just, uh, you know, ideate and a roadmap with them and their teams. Uh, as far as a, a little stretch assignment for me, I'm also brought in to other clients to talk to them because of my background. Uh, the uniqueness being that I've worked on the on the uh, IT side of things. I understand it from a CIO lens of you know from many different angles, not just technology, but people and process as well. Uh, and uh, from a business standpoint, right, what enables the business through technology? So bringing that experience forward, I think, is very helpful and useful for a lot of uh, the uh, C-level folks that I talk to. Right, because technology by itself is simply a tool. It's learning how to apply that very specifically to a business case that makes it magic. And Absolutely. many organizations try to take blunt technology messages and just apply it to the real estate industry. And it doesn't work. I mean, it, you know, from construct design, construction, uh, leasing, you know, all the way through disposition, um, you know, there all, all those business models, although integrated, are different. And require a different lens, and and I think that's that's good to know someone like you is positioned to 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 do that. So you're going to be speaking next week at Buildings AI, and first of all, thank you um, for for making that time commitment to be there. We got a room full of crazy great smart people. I think you're uh, you're going to make some new friends there. <laughs> if I would, if I was a betting man, just because we're all going to geek out together. Um, and so without giving away, you know, the meat of the presentation, what are some of the high level things you're going to be talking about? So, uh, one, you know, level setting on what is AI and what is not, I think that's very critical. A lot of, uh, folks I hear say, you know, what can AI do and can it predict the future? Uh, so level set on that first, but then let's talk about how it works and, uh, what are some of the use cases in this industry that I'm seeing, uh, mm -hmm. along with, uh, some ideas around adoption, right? At the end of the day, I think that last topic is very critical because I the phrase I use is you can you, you can build the world's best car, but you need a driver to drive it. If you don't have one, it's just going to sit there. So that adoption is going to be key. 
Well, and, and we talked about a little bit, you know, in the green room before, you can't just go get yourself a little AI, right? I mean, I'm going to go buy myself some AI, right? And, and, and we have over the years, you know, at times been a shiny object industry where we, we grab onto a topic, we run with for 18 months, a new topic comes on. And, and with AI, whether it's, the, you know, which AI platform, which cases, you got to consider compute power, right? We talk, we're going to talk about that a lot next week, yeah. compute power, and then the personnel, both in-house as well as the resources that you rely on, like with a Microsoft, you know, how much can I rely on Microsoft to, to give me that leading edge expertise to train my folks, right? Yeah. So it's not something you can just snap your fingers and do some AI, although we encourage people to, you know, to play around and experiment. And I, I, that's what I'm real excited about your, your presentation, because you're going to lay out, you know, what you've seen organizations do that is successful. You know, Absolutely. And and what, you know, what differentiates Microsoft in this? Because everybody's, you know, as you can see in the news, everyone's doing something in AI, all the big players. But why Microsoft when uh, C-level uh, executives are making a pitch to the board on where they want to place their bets, right? Why Microsoft story is very important to understand. Well, what, what enterprise platform runs the world? Microsoft. Microsoft. <laughs> okay. I mean, whether it's our emails, our Teams calls, our, our databases, our SharePoints, our SQLs, our, you know, I mean, it, it is already a commanding force in our daily lives. Why wouldn't you at least take a deep dive look into technology you already have and then get a resource like a Joy to say, okay, you're already, you know, got the foundation and now we got it. And I know you're partnering, which we're going to talk about a lot next week too, with some pretty big players in our industry. Yes. Right. And, and, and so you're understanding the real estate industry and you're doing direct, you know, data connects to those platforms and that's step two, right? You've got the big platform, the general platform, but now you're understanding our industry and integrating with our suppliers. That's another massive conversation we're going to have. I'm afraid we're going to run out of time. I think we've dedicated about seven hours, you know, which is going to be nonstop. No, you know, I tell Howard, no breaks. Um, but yeah, that's the only way you're going to get this stuff figured out is for this concentrated conversation, right, over time. Absolutely. Uh, so um, how, on a scale of one to 10, you know, all the different industries, finance, medicine, consumer, you know, uh, products, whatever, on a scale of one to 10, one is nothing, 10 is everything. How much of an impact will AI have on the built environment? I believe it's going to change things tremendously. And from two perspectives, uh, one, you know, how uh, our business users, folks, uh, you know, on the job sites, look at buildings and look at safety, look at risk, things like that. It'll tremendously uh, help them. Uh, on the other side of that is also uh, the real estate uh, industry, right, where uh, AI, I think, will play a huge role in driving you know, how we transform this industry uh, in the sense of uh, how buildings are built, right? The Right now, you're seeing a lot of text-based AI. I do believe, and I'm seeing some early uh, uh, proof-of-concept type projects being done right now. It's still early, uh, but around visual AI, right? Yes. With Dolly and and that's where I think is going to be really the game changer for this industry. Well well how about how about a, a visual AI applied against a high resolution database of a concentrated area, say a campus for a, you know a, a corporate campus or even a city, right? 
And with a click of a button, you can prioritize the roofs that need to be repaired based upon the granular examination of the materials on the roof. Yep. And also, you know, just what comes next? If you think about AI, if you have a door, the hinge, or maybe you need an ADA ramp, right? Those things, once you start feeding that information to the model, it'll, it could start looking at and saying, hey, I think you need this over here. Yeah, I think that the lowest hanging fruit, though, I mean, we talked about a little bit earlier as well. You know, there's such this focus on sustainability and carbon neutrality and net zero. And we've been pushing that for 15, 20, even maybe 25 years, not a new topic for us. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, there's so much focus on the automobile industry, you know, California by 2035, you know, no you know, gas emitting um, automobiles. We're 44, 45 percent. The automobile industry is 21, 22, depending upon which report you read. So we we are wasting energy at a factor of twice the speed or twice the amount. What I think AI has got the you know the ability to to take and really finally get these buildings running in a more optimal level. However, we need good data, right? We need good data, and I think what you're seeing also in the U.S. especially is uh, a little bit of more governance on what should we be going after when it comes to sustainability, right? I think you're seeing Europe has a little bit, they're a little bit more advanced because they have to report certain numbers. Uh, but a lot of companies over here, you know, at least in my uh, experience, have been asking, you know, what are the numbers we need to report? So we're trying to figure that out. We're early in that journey, uh, especially in scope one of uh, sustainability. But uh, I think we're getting there. And... Uh, you're seeing that through some projects that are going on. Well, I mean, and just if you examine the the pandemic as a case study, you know, as it relates to the built environment, during that pandemic, major cities across the country, across the world for that matter, reported no drop in consumed energy during the pandemic when those buildings were basically empty. Yeah. Right. And and so just start that. That's a sledgehammer. That's not AI. Okay. I mean, that's like, okay, why did it, they were empty? You know, we 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 can turn down the heat, we can turn down the air conditioning turn off the lights, right? Why didn't we, right? And and could we, were the buildings instrumented? You know, would AI have helped that if they were? So I, I think AI is going to just, in many respects, provide a new tool set that's going to encourage people to get their infrastructures in place, you know, the data collection in place and, um, and to really take full advantage of it. Yep. Um, any other use cases that you're seeing that just have caught your attention? I, um, you know, so the biggest use case that I'm seeing a lot of uh, construction companies, especially, are going after is around bid proposals. And yeah. the one that really caught my eye was how do I make my bid proposals better, right? If I use certain keywords, can it be better than if I use other words, right? So uh, I thought that was an interesting use case um, because when does it stop? Like at what point? is better good enough yep. so that's a it's a really interesting use case if you think about it and you really start understanding the question of well how you, you, you made me think of a call i had yesterday with a, with a senior uh analyst from gardner who will be speaking at the conference as well and he said jim do you realize that the phrase prompt engineering wasn't even a thing nine months ago right so so you're thinking about how how do you make the bid process better how do you query what what how do you dive into it well, now I guess it's prompt engineering, right? Which is a brand new term, which we're all starting to wrap our, our arms around. But that's how fast this stuff is changing, right? Yeah. And, 
And so it's like, you know, how do you capture the energy of a tornado without killing yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's interesting because, you know, we all grew up uh, answering questions, right? When you go to an exam or a teacher asks you a question, you answer the question. We are at a stage now we have to train ourselves and everybody to, uh, to ask the question. How to ask the question. Yeah. How to ask the question. And so, ask the question the right way. Right. So yeah. that's, a, that's a whole other level of mindset training too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really kind of brings back the importance of critical thinking, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which I think we, that's a whole other topic for another day. Listen, let's take a quick break here from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to kind of get into um, a little bit of uh, what a joy seeing in our industry and some of the challenges we're having. And then uh, a little bit about what we're going to be doing next week at Buildings AI. Wow. Think about what we just saw. I mean, <laughs> companies no longer working eight to 10 hours a day where companies literally, and I've been working international time zones for my entire, almost my entire career. You know, and when you do it physically, it's rough. But when you think about this concept of outsourcing, which has been around for a long time, you know, especially with the conversation of AI, there, there's a possibility, probably a high probability that we're going to have to rely on talent on other parts from other parts of the world who have the skills. Right. Absolutely. And that actually kind of leads into our, our our conversation, you know, going forward is what do you see as the big how are we doing as an industry and what do you see as the biggest challenges? So, you know, it's no it's no uh, surprise, you know, technology adoption in this industry has been a lag a lagging issue. Right. We still need to catch up on a lot of things that said. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of organizations uh moving into the journey of AI, but very gingerly, if you may. So they're stepping in with some proof of concepts, slowly, let's understand it better. Uh, but if anything, I would say the, the silver lining in this is I see more of an adoption with AI than any other technology I've seen of late. Yeah, I agree. So that's uh, so while that's a silver lining, it's still early. It's I, I do see it maturing. Uh, you know, I think when we get to visual AI, with visual objects, uh, that'll be a huge game changer for this industry when Gosh. we get to a maturity point. Well, just just think about you know, engineers, maintenance people equipped with the right tools, cameras on their cleaning carts, scanning the building on a real time basis, finding AI, finding things that people didn't even know was wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and, and your point is very well taken. In my career, I'm old enough to have started with mini computers, right? So I saw mini computer, distributed PC, the internet. I've seen the internet was obviously one of the biggest, right? Um, although going from mini computers to distributed PCs, that was not a little jump either because that put compute power in the hands of a lot of people. Then the internet connected all those people. Um, but I've always been able to, to grasp the changes as they were coming. AI has got me running a little fast because it's it's a technology and, a, and an idea that is so far away from my skill set that it, it's taken a little bit of time just to understand the potential, not not even close to understanding the technology. You know, yeah. did, did you want, did you feel that? I mean, as well that it's just a lot to learn in a very short period of time. Absolutely, and it's uh, you know I'm, it's overwhelming sometimes the amount of information coming at you, but uh, that's part of the journey, and you know I think that's part of the 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 era we live in. It's coming heavy at you know the pace of innovation. Uh, the ideas that are coming at us. Uh, so that's something that C-level executives are always looking at, like, how do I manage this? 
But doesn't that make sense for an industry like ours or companies within our industry to partner with somebody like Microsoft who they're already got an investment in, they already have a relationship with, they already have the technology stacks in place. They're never going to have the, the technical skills that you've got with your, your AI teams. Never. Yes. And a few things there, you know, so the thing I always, and I learned this when I was a, a customer of Microsoft, uh, where do you want to spend your resources on business outcomes or doing some backend integrations, right? Microsoft has that ecosystem. Uh, plus the amount of compute it takes, you'll see this next week, the amount of compute it takes behind doing AI. It's, it's no small feat. When, yeah, when we had that conversation, I was aware, but when you brought that home, I'm like, that's the that's a fundamental game changer. Exactly. Oh yeah, yes. I'm gonna get me some AI. Well, do you know do you need do you know that you need a compute power, you know, the size of uh, NSA's headquarters? I mean, you know, it, it's real, and and people need to understand it. Yeah, and it continues to grow. It's not uh, it's not like let's just build it and forget it. It's it's going to grow and it's going to well, keep growing. Well, and it's going to change the whole hardware architecture as well, from chipset to you know, on-prem, edge edge computing devices, all the way up to the cloud. I mean, with this advanced compute requirement, your whole hardware stack is potentially going to change, right? You know? Very much so. You know, I remember the days when it was software and the Intel chip, you know, the software gets better, the chip gets better, and the chip can now uh, support better software. And it was always like that. And I see the same thing happening here. The hardware has got to get better. You know, we're going to have more data, more yeah. capabilities, more parameters, which I'll talk about next week. Yeah. Uh, but that's really what I'm seeing happening. So we got to wrap. Um, what are you, I mean, expecting next week at Buildings AI? What, what, what are your expectations? I mean, we're going to have all the answers. Are we going to solve the world problems? I mean, what do you think we're going to get accomplished? Yeah, besides uh, figuring out world hunger, no, absolutely. I'm actually looking to meeting with a lot of folks, seeing what's, what they're doing, what you know, what's uh, out there and learning, uh, and also sharing my experience, not just from Microsoft, but also as a customer from the from a CIO's lens, from a you know leading an IT uh, an innovation uh, arm. Uh, you know, any experiences that I can share. Yeah. Uh, so that's. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, you know, this is a great experience, and uh, I'll be there. Well, what, what to us, I'm so proud of our programming team led by Howard. Uh, you know, in a very short amount of time, we had to decipher who was real, who wasn't, right? Because everybody's now an AI expert. We had to find strategic people that would really benefit our community, like somebody like yourself representing Microsoft, right? That's a very strategic, pivotal position. Uh, but what I feel is the people who are making the investment to come um, are the ones leaning in and will really be the foundational folks, you know, the pioneers, if you will, that will kind of set the stage. Right. I mean, because, you know, the, no, it's no surprise real estate industry is having some challenges right now and, and people are tightening things a little bit. But those who realize that they're not going to escape this, they're going to be there next week. And, and, I, and I think they're, they're going to really begin to shape the narrative on how the built industry uh, is going to is going to deal with this AI as well as other emerging technologies. So, yep. Joy, thank you so much. It is always a pleasure. Um, looking forward to getting some headaches next week from all the information flying at me. <laughs> thank you very much. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right. Well, you have a great day, uh, great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. All right.
So with that, let's bring on Mr. Howard Berger. Howard's going to bring us up to speed on what's going on. Uh, Howard, great job. I mean, uh, we just you found all the right people and they're going to be in the room and we're going to try to figure this out. So congratulations on a great program. And uh, I'll get out of your way and let you get to the news. Uh, thanks, Jim. I think we did. Uh, uh, the, the whole team worked to, to bring together, I think, some just incredible speakers. Uh, this is a great conversation. And thank you, AJ. Um, I, I'm really glad you're going to be with us at Buildings AI next week. Uh, your perspective is, is so important. So from here, I'm a few news stories from our weekly news briefing that goes out every Thursday morning. And if you don't see it in your inbox, go to realcom.com and click on news. So our first story and this is pretty big. Jim alluded to it earlier. The British firm Luminance, AI firm Luminance, they achieved the first ever autonomous negotiation of a contract between two artificial intelligence systems, eliminating the need for human involvement. So based on a proprietary large language model, Luminance's autopilot autonomously analyzed, modified, and then efficiently handled a non-disclosure agreement addressing a common bottleneck in legal processes. And now their uh, Luminance, it's a domain-specific software, and it, they've proved that it can work a lot better than a general purpose model like OpenAI. Uh, it operated independently, uh, but also allowed human review, and it tailored its approach based on the company negotiation style and preferences. So uh, legal teams spent about 80% of their time on routine document review and negotiation, making AI-driven legal automation a no-brainer. Uh, next, a great article from our friend Mark Petock, Chief Marketing Communication Officer at Linksprint, and it's entitled, It's Go Time for the Built Environment, Why Data Models Matter. So data, transforming everything, but the challenge is making the data available in the right format, delivering it to the right person in a secure environment, and especially with OT data, hence the importance of the data model, which is essentially a blueprint of how databases organize, store, access data, and enable the data to be made interoperable with different systems. Now, in this article, Mark writes that we need to move past data drowning and get to the point where we employ data modeling and standardization. And he offers a simple approach to data modeling with focus on important components like organization, accuracy, integrity, efficiency, scalability, governance, inconsistency, communication, reduced redundancy, security, adaptability, and documentation. So this is a great article, uh, great read, and thanks, Mark. Uh, so for our next segment, we highlight a smart building project from our IBCon Smart Building Best Practice Showcase, where real estate practitioners present their most innovative technology-driven commercial and corporate real estate projects every year at the, at the June conference. So this week, we're profiling Marriott International's new corporate headquarters in Bethesda now the global hub for Marriott's research and development and operation. Now it's a 21 story, 785,000 lead gold certified building. And it was designed to enable connectivity, growth, ideation, well-being with dynamic spaces and state-of-the-art technology. And they prioritize things on the wellness side like childcare, family support and wellness as core offerings. 7,500 square foot health and fitness center, wellness suite, nearly 11,000 square foot childcare center for up to 91 children with 600 with 6,600 square feet of outdoor space is all weather play area. They have an 8,400 square foot design lab that's gonna be co-located with their 4,400 square foot F&B food and beverage design studio to explore the latest culinary trends and new ideas from these labs. 
They're all going to be tested on the 57th floor of the adjacent Marriott Bethesda Downtown Hotel prior to deployment across the company's portfolio. So special, I just want a special shout out to the Clarion Group um, and, and Charlie Buscarino for their contribute, con contribution to the tech integration of this fantastic project. Finally, an article from Will Nair, uh, iPro Americas. And in this article, Will discusses the evolution of zero trust security approach for IoT devices. And he points out that one in five companies have experienced cyber attacks on their IoT devices in the last three years. Why may you ask? Well, because they've prioritized convenience over security in device design. Now, zero trust architecture, ZTA, it extends to devices like security cameras and sensors and other industrial IoT gadgets and prevents them from becoming attack vectors, sorry, attack vectors. Implementing ZTA can be challenging, but it's gaining momentum. Soon is going to be a necessity, not an option. In fact, a recent White House executive order mandates all federal agencies to adopt zero trust architecture by 2024. And that's a huge policy shift that not only influenced domestic organizations, but also set a precedent for global cybersecurity standards. So those are just a few of this week's highlights or articles. I wish you all a great weekend. And back to you, Jim. Yeah. Howard, I don't know which article I want to talk about. I think I'm going to do two real quick. The first one, think of the implication. If there's one thing in the real estate industry that is front and center, it's contract negotiation, right? Whether you're acquiring an asset, selling an asset, leasing an asset, arranging a contract with a service provider, with a vendor, with a maintenance team. I mean, think of the multitude of time and energy spent on negotiating contracts. I'm a leasing think agent. The, think of the knowledge base that it takes for a good negotiator. Uh, and it's much more than just analyzing clauses and documents and having having set responses. It's, you know, there's a there's a huge human element involved. Absolutely. So I don't know if this is going to be used for complex negotiations. But my guess is that uh, yeah, I don't find know. applications that, you know, apply to a, a good number of uh, contracts that currently require a lot of human intervention. And it's not going to put anybody out of a job, but if you're a leasing agent and are doing complex transactions, you better have an AI assistant off to the side or your team better understand the power of this, right? Because if you don't, you're, you're going to be dealing with systems and capabilities that are 10 X your human capacity. So why not use it as a tool, right? And I think that's going to be the long, the, the longest struggle in our industry is not going to be the technology. It's obviously here. We're hearing these bleeding edge case studies. It's going to be getting everybody in the organization from the youngest of analysts to the, the senior level vice president to understand what's possible and then to deploy and investigate the right technologies. This is a business issue to me at this point, to, to get all those people who are buried in spreadsheets to you know, think about um, how to use this. We're going to get these use specific large language models that really focus very, very specifically on on one, one use case or a, a small number of use cases. And once we train those models with, uh, you know, with the data, it, they're going to be able to tell us things about what's happened in the past. They may not predict the future, but they can yeah. be able to tell us things that humans just could not have. Can't do. Just can't do don't just well, don't have the data. Don't have access to the data, right? The, the other manage all the data. You can't know? manage it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then just one quick note on that zero trust. All the building systems coming in, you know, the, the analog or you know, traditional systems that use IoT modems, 
that are maybe manufactured someplace else in the world that is a little less trustworthy. Huge story. 2024, incredibly ambitious. But for every person out there looking at installing systems, hanging electronic devices on walls, in closets, in basements, in ceilings, you have to have a protocol to understand where that device came from, what it talks to, uh, and not just what they say on the manufacturer spec sheets. You're going to have to have, in some cases, the capacity to know really what's going in and out of those systems. And so it's yeah. going to be a and the big challenge. To audit and do forensics on, you know, on all of that communication. Yep. Uh, it makes my head spin. Uh, One nasty off-ramp to the freeway and you have access to the entire freeway. And we have to assume there is a lot of nasty off-ramps out there already. There already are. There already are. Yep. yep. Exactly. Yep. As always, great job on the news. Uh, get your bags packed and I'll see you next week. Have Thanks, a great Thank you. Too. All right. So before we finish today, um, and I talk about next week a little bit, let's hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. Thank you to all of our sponsors today. So um, actually next week, we don't have an episode planned. Um, and you, you say, well, how could we do that? Well, what I will tell you is we're all heading off to Palo Alto in the heart of Silicon Valley to have two days of intense conversations. Cortec 23, day one, Buildings AI, day two with a real nice transition from one to the other. We've got some of the best people in corporate real estate facilities in the workplace going to be spending time trying to get folks to understand the relationship between the right amount of creative, adaptive, flexible space and the appropriate technologies to bring people far away into the room. We're going to talk about efficiency, smart buildings, and then we're going to pivot over to Buildings AI. And like I said earlier, the people that Howard's got together uh, bringing together to talk about this are some of the smartest, uh, highest profile people in the industry. So what we're going to do is we're going to set some cameras up and we're going to be uh, recording bits and pieces from the event. And we're hoping that we can get a couple of those conversations to you next Friday. One way or the other, you'll have an episode. But we just thought there's too much good going on. We don't know what it is yet. Let's see what happens. And uh, hopefully we can stitch together uh, a little episode that can give you some idea of what happened at Buildings AI. And for those of you who haven't registered, still not too late well worth the trip. Um, you want to be in the room with these folks. Um, I, I think, uh, as I said, it's a foundational group of people focusing on AI and um, and on and corporate real estate facilities, for that matter. And uh, you just want to be around the smart people. That's what I do. So with that, everybody have a great weekend. Be well, and we will see you somehow, some way next week on Realcom Live.